0: this is a people first radio podcast every day year round people in nanaimo can get their drugs checked at the canadian mental health association's overdose prevention site on 250 albert street Patrick Cools is one of the drug-checking technicians who can use Fourier transform infrared or FTIR spectroscopy to help detect what is in a given substance. This week, I had the chance to visit the overdose prevention site to talk drug-checking with Cooles and with Destiny Herman, operations coordinator with the Canadian Mental Health Association's Mid-Island branch. What is the goal of drug checking? Why is drug checking a thing that we offer?
1: Um, I would say drug checking is really important. It works as a harm reduction tool for people who use substances. So it allows for people to have uh, rough estimates of what are in their substances and then they're able to make better decisions and informed decisions on what they're using and um, how
0: much they want to use. So if I want to come in and use this service, how does that work? So there's
1: a couple different different options. Um, The first
0: one is we are open from
1: 11 a.m. to nine o'clock at night, seven days a week, 365 days a year, Um, so you can come into the site and you can either drop off a little bit of substance um, and then we analyze it and we can text, call, email, or you can pick up a like written copy of your results, um, or you can come and just sit in the site and um, chat with me and or any of the other technicians and um, then get your analysis right then and there.
0: So I can come in and it would take about How long?
1: It's about five, anywhere between five and 15 minutes for like an easy sample. Um, Sometimes they can get a little complex with some of the like additives and the buffs and the cuts and whatnot. And so every once in a while, it'll take a little bit longer or we have to ask for a second opinion. Um, But for the most part, it's about five to 15 minutes. And what can you check? So we can check major components. Um, So anything that is... I would say about over 5% in the substance should be tested or should be testable. Um, and then we're able to kind of give an, an analysis on those major components. Um, unfortunately, anything that's in really, really small
0: concentrations are difficult for the um, machine to pick up on. And can you give me a sense of, of what the practical impact of that is? Are there a lot of things that are under 5% that are very harmful? I mean, it,
1: it's substance specific so um, it totally depends on just what the supply looks like at that time Um, there's always going to be a little bit of unknown with drug checking especially with our service it's point of care people can come in and get their results really quickly Um, so there's always going to be a little bit of unknown and so there's just with the drug checking technicians there's a lot of communication about just making sure that you're practicing harm reduction techniques when you are using substances. It's a great tool, it's a great, great service, um, but you still wanna be um, using those harm reduction techniques in when you are using substances. And what are those
0: harm reduction techniques?
2: So if you get test results with potentially harmful substances you weren't expecting, you can make a choice to use less of a substance Always using with a buddy and stagger your use so you're not using at the exact same time. Carry naloxone kits, always. Everybody should carry a naloxone kit. And there is the Lifeguard app that if you do choose to use alone, you can set up on your phone. So if you don't check in, it will call emergency services to your location for you.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's for everyone who uses substances, especially with that LifeGuard app. It's not just for people who are like street entrenched. Um, anyone who is using substances should be making safe, safe decisions um, to make sure that they are impl- they're being
0: safe when they're using their substances. Do you see folks who come and, and maybe use substances recreationally only a few times a year? Do they come and make use of the drug testing?
2: Uh, we do. We uh- do testing across the spectrum of substance users. We are always trying to get more recreational users, weekend users in the machine can test, cocaine, MDMA, different party drugs. Um, th- it's really important if you aren't consistently using and your tolerance isn't as high that you are getting your drugs tested.
1: Yeah, and especially like in the summer with people going to music festivals or just being out in the sun, like there's a there's a lot more recreational use of ketamine, MDMA,
0: cocaine. Um, And so, yeah, there's a lot of recreational use. Is there a difference between what you might find in some of of those drugs you just mentioned and what you might find in in other drugs? Yeah, so for example, like, it is, it is very
1: substance-specific. So there's substances, some, something, for example, like dimethyl sulfone. Um, it's an anti-inflammatory, but it works really, really well in crystalline substances. So things like ketamine, MDMA, methamphetamine. Um, it, it has crystal crystallizing principles that make it so it's easier to um, buff out those kind of substances. Whereas, um, something like cocaine, um, might have something more like benzocaine, which is a local anesthetic or phenacetin, which is another, um, anti-inflammatory kind of, um, like fever, um, reducing drug. Um, but they're just like common buffs. So each substance has their own like select buffing and cutting agents that are typical to see in those substances.
0: And you can walk through people who, who use the service, what each of those might do, what the impact of it is going to be, and what what that information might suggest is in your best interest to do? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the buffs
1: and cuts um aren't dangerous per se. Um it they're just added in um, I guess to increase the um, supply. <laughs> um, so a lot of the time, it like there's definitely conversations about what is in it and kind of explaining what all the different substances are and the different like cuts and buffs. But for the most part, um, a lot of them aren't um, dangerous. Um, if you if we see something like fentanyl, let's say in a cocaine sample, that would be a red flag, and we would be having a bit more of a conversation about the
0: dangers of having. Um, that kind of buff or cut into the substance, and how common would you say it is to to come across something that immediately is a red flag as this is going to be very dangerous compared to what you expect it to be?
1: It's very rare that I find any like recreational substance um, coming back positive for anything that is like that kind of danger um, like it's very rare that we ever see fentanyl in the cocaine sample but. It does happen. It does happen, and it's important to get your stuff tested to make sure that you don't have any dangerous compounds in your substances.
0: And you said it's very rare that you might see a, something like that in the recreational kind of sample or substance. What about other substances? Um, Well,
1: I mean, fentanyl is the substance of choice for a lot of people. Um, It started out as heroin and then slowly transitioned into fentanyl. Um, And so nowadays that we very rarely even see heroin out on the streets. Um, The main substance that people are using when you think of like a downer is fentanyl. Um, So it's really drug-specific because some people, if you see fentanyl in your substances, that's a that's a red flag, that's a fear, you don't want that substance, that's dangerous.
0: But for someone who chronically uses fentanyl, that's what they want. And so when you're checking a fentanyl sample, are there times when that also contains other things that are unexpected and, and potentially dangerous to someone who is already accustomed to using it? Absolutely, yeah. And
1: fentanyl has a whole different... like so many different cuts and buffs that go into fentanyl Um, primarily right now the main danger is just seeing the increase of benzodiazepines um, cut into the fentanyl supply Um, so with the benzodiazepines it's leading to like increased sedation um, and like lethargic behaviors and so with that like people can be sedated for two or three hours based off of what the concentration of benzodiazepines are in their sample um, and also benzodiazepines are quite scary because they don't work um, in response to naloxone, um, which is what we use um, during like an, overdo- an opiate overdose.
0: Do we have any idea of why benzodiazepines are showing up?
2: The fentanyl tolerance has gone up exponentially, so people want a, a better high and benzos can give that
1: yeah honestly it, it's just it seems like every few years um, people are just trying to make the substances stronger and stronger and it's almost like a turf war of who can have the
0: strongest substance unfortunately and so how does how does your role come into play um and intersect with that scenario you're just describing of increasing potency of substances as someone who is checking uh, the drugs how do you what do you communicate about about that
2: if we if we perform tests on site with higher levels of fentanyl or high levels of benzodiazepines that we aren't accustomed to seeing in the supply, we send an alert out, we connect with island health officials, we contact our community partners, we let service users know specific substances that are coming in that are high that they need to be wary of. Even seasoned users should be limiting their dose using together starting small and then
1: in the site um, we like in the actual overdose prevention site um, we if someone is testing getting their substances tested and it's coming back very high in fentanyl with the presence of benzodiazepines and whatnot then um, we do try to get people to stay on site and use so that we can effectively respond in the case of an overdose
0: and are you able to see from your work doing the drug checking an impact in in people coming in and making use of the service and using that information and having it make a difference?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, like recreational users, for example, I recently had someone come in with an MDMA sample. Um, and when they got their results back, there wasn't really any MDMA. There was a sister compound called MDA, which is more psychedelic, um, and then methamphetamine presence. And so that service user who came in, um, they made the decision that they didn't want to use that substance
0: um, as a result of the drug checking results. And so when it comes to drug checking, are there things you think people who might not be involved in this world at all or, or know anyone who is involved need to know about it? I think
1: the main thing is that there is a perceived, misconception of who uses substances um people always assume that drug use is only people on the streets um and i think it's really important to note that it could be your neighbor it could be your friend um substance use is all around um and i think it's really important to be mindful that um anyone could be using substances and it's important to um go with a harm reduction lens um, and really be anti-discriminatory.
0: <laughs> so what does that look like? What does the harm reduction lens and being anti-discriminatory look like in terms of the actions I take in my day-to-day life, the words I use, the the way I talk about these issues?
2: The words that we use are very important. We often refer to substance use um substance users rather than the typical term of addicts that floats around. I think helping to destigmatize is just openly talking about substance use as though it's a regular thing that many, many people do, especially with the rise of recreational use. Talk to your friends about it. Um, The more people that get trained in naloxone and carry naloxone kits makes it much less obvious if somebody is carrying one.
1: And then if someone discloses that they are using substances, just trying to be as non judgmental as possible. Um, I think that's where all of these problems lie is the judgment and the stigma that comes across or that comes along with substance use.
0: Are there any, any ways people might, you know, not realize they're being judgmental in, in things they might say that, that they could do a little differently? I mean, body language
1: is really important. Um, Making sure that if someone, if you're having a conversation with someone about their substance use, you're being as open as possible.
2: I think just having more conversations about it is one of the biggest things. Um, There's a huge turn in the last few years about openly talking about mental health and reducing the stigma around it and making it more comfortable for people to disclose if they're struggling. And I think the same thing needs to happen with substance use for people to feel more comfortable reaching out for help using the services that are provided and not using alone
0: Earlier, you were talking about benzodiazepines. You mentioned that they can be naloxone resistant. Can you give me an idea of, of the scale of that that you're perceiving right now in terms of, of of how often that is coming up?
1: Yeah. So, for example, like in a response to an overdose, naloxone is used to take the opiate off of the opiate receptor in in your brain. Um, And it replaces it with the naloxone and makes it so um, the respiratory depression or um, the overdose effects basically are subdued. With benzodiazepines, they work on a whole different receptor. So um, the naloxone does not pull the benzodiazepine off of their receptor. And so it leads to like prolonged sedation and lethargy. Um, And honestly, right now we're seeing benzodiazepines in almost all of the down or fentanyl samples that come in. Um, The scale that it's, uh, even six months ago, we were seeing in maybe half of the samples. And now it's just seeming like every single sample has benzodiazepines in it right now, which is tricky because then that also leads to dependency, um, so people are no longer just dependent on fentanyl, they're also now dependent on the benzodiazepines and the drug supply.
0: And is that sort of the same cycle you you described earlier, where years and years ago, it might have been heroin that led to fentanyl that has now led to benzodiazepines? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's just an onward trajectory. <laughs> and do we have, is there any kind of, of hope for... A- a way to anything that is like the equivalent to naloxone for benzos um, in the
1: hospitals. There are um, like antidotes for benzodiazepine overdose, um, but it's not something that just can be regularly used by anyone on the street in like a kit the way the naloxone is. Um, naloxone is a really, a really useful tool because there is no, um, damaging effects if you overuse it. Um, For example, like if I got naloxone right now into my body, it would not be painful. There would be no side effects. So it's a lot more it's a lot easier for like the a regular person to just be able to administer naloxone compared to um, it's called flumazanil is what the antidote for benzodiazepines and those have to that has to be administered by an actual like physician
0: or nurse. Is there any sense of, of what's going to happen next or where this is going either in terms of um, drug checking's ability to keep up with the changing supply or just how that supply might evolve and what what we should do because of that?
1: I think our goal is just to continue giving people the best results that we can um, and to just provide a harm reduction um, approach where people can have an idea of what is in their substances. At the end of the day, people are going to use the substances regardless of drug checking. We just are an asset and a
0: tool that allows for people to know what they are putting into their bodies. If someone's listening to this right now, they're maybe interested, they maybe want to learn more, learn about how they could use this service. Maybe they are concerned about stigma or anything along those lines what would you say
2: the service is completely anonymous and we operate as a safe space so everyone can feel comfortable coming to the site if people don't want to spend time here they can drop their samples off and head out immediately and receive their results later people have questions they're more than welcome to reach out to patrick or myself anytime we're happy to talk about the service um we can come to workshops and events and answer any questions and promote it.
0: Well, Patrick, Destiny, thank you again so much for letting me into your space and and taking the time to talk.
2: Thank you. Thank you
0: so much. Patrick Cools works as a drug checking technician and shift lead with the Canadian Mental Health Association's Mid-Island branch. Destiny Herman is the branch's operations coordinator. We were discussing drug checking in Nanaimo. The service is available every day from 11 to 830 at the overdose prevention site on the corner of Albert and Dunsmuir streets.
2: People First Radio, People First Media and People First Stories are community media projects of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society and are produced in Nanaimo, British Columbia. The opinions expressed do not necessarily represent the views of Vancouver Island Mental Health Society or its broadcast, podcast, and social media partners.